Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. is designed to be the primary place for children to receive training and instruction in faith and spiritual practices. And he used this example up here, and this, this is going to stay up here until the, our series is over because it's such a great reminder of where true influence lies. It lies with the parents. That is your influence. And I, I just want to say, like, you have that influence one way or another, It's not something that you choose to have influence or you choose not to have influence. You have, parents, influence over your kids. It's what you're using that influence to accomplish that's the question. And our hope and our prayer is that you're using that influence to point your kids each and every day to Christ because you have the greatest influence, hands down, in their lives. Then two weeks ago, Brett preached on the importance of priorities in family discipleship. If you want to use your God-given influence to point your children to Jesus, you have to have the right priorities. And so we saw from Scripture that we as parents and as as followers of Christ in, in general must be diligent in letting the truth of God's Word inform and determine our priorities. And if our priorities do not reflect the priorities that God has outlined in His Word, then we as parents and as followers of Christ, must be obedient to bring our priorities in alignment with his. And Brett showed us that our priorities must include these three things. And I would even go so far as to say these must be the top three priorities in our lives as followers of Christ and as parents who are seeking to disciple their kids towards a relationship with Jesus. Our priorities must be faithfulness to God, faithfulness to your spouse, and faithfulness to your children. And I would even say That's the order that they have to come in. A healthy marriage is made up of two people who are seeking to honor and glorify God with their lives. And a healthy family is led by two people in a covenant relationship with each other, leading their their family in that pursuit. That is the priorities and the order that they must be in. Then last week, Brett introduced us to two targets that we must be striving for in the lives of our family. Target number one is to cultivate faith. We must take every opportunity to share the gospel with our children and point them to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. If you have a child at home that does not know Jesus, that is your top priority. I have one of those. I have an almost three-year-old son, Isaac. He does not know Jesus. In fact, if you could be praying for Isaac, please. Just the other day, we were talking at, at the dinner table um, about what Jonathan, our, my older son, who's seven, was learning in kids' church. And, and we somehow got onto the topic. I don't know if they were talking about it or the conversation led about how much we need Jesus each and every day in our lives. And I look over it, trying to include Isaac in this conversation as much as you can with a three-year-old. And I, I said, Isaac, do you, do you need Jesus? And in his cute ways... He looked at me and goes, hmm, let me think about that. And then he said, not today. (laughs) So please pray for my son. He needs Jesus and he doesn't know it yet. But we have to seek as parents to cultivate faith in the lives of our children, sharing the gospel with them, already beginning to model that for them. And it is only then when they come to know Christ 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, through you doing your part, God doing their part, and your children doing their part to respond in faith, that target number two begins to come into view. And that's this, cultivate maturity. We must then help them after they come to know Christ, grow in their understanding and ability to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. And then Brett used this graphic up on the screen to to really show us what these steps look like in the lives of our children. We see them go from spiritually dead to alive in Christ in a new creation. And just like a new creation, a new human doesn't know how to walk or talk or act or, or, or uh, clean themselves or do any of that stuff, so too a spiritual infant doesn't know how to do any of the things that they are supposed to do. And so we as parents need to guide them through that process. And Brett did a great job of giving us some some different ideas on how to do that and how we as parents can apply that to the lives of our children. And so if you haven't watched those messages, I want to greatly encourage you this next week to take some time to do this. In fact, shameless plug, uh, we have our, uh, all of our sermons and our midweek connections that are now uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So you, all you have to go is literally go hit subscribe, and you'll, you can set up notifications to get that. But go back, find those sermons, and, and, and spend some time listening and growing yourself so that you can better lead you. However, this morning, I want to uh, confess to a struggle I have as a parent. Well, I guess one of the very many struggles that I have as a parent. So often, my, my thoughts and actions are just consumed with trying to get that specific. I think that if I can just find some magic words or a magic program, or if I can just make the right decisions, my boys will just fall in line and start following Jesus. I find myself working so very hard to get my boys to do what is right and wise, and I try so hard to position them, and, and, and if I'm honest, sometimes manipulate and control them to follow after. And because of this, I find myself focusing so much on what my boys either are doing or aren't doing. They aren't following the rules. They aren't playing nicely. They aren't being respectful. They aren't eating their vegetables. How do you get kids to do that? Anybody? Oh my goodness. They aren't listening. They aren't being kind to their mother. They aren't being kind to each other. And I get so frustrated because I feel like I'm so far away from hitting those targets that Brett mentioned last week. I feel, guys, honestly, that there's no hope sometimes. I feel a failure because I am not having the results that I and I feel like I'm completely missing the targets, and I'm not even getting... You know, they say, uh, what, what's that? Shoot, uh, shoot for the moon, and if you miss it, you at least land alone. I'm like, I'm not even getting out of the atmosphere with my, with my arrows. However, last week, Brett touched on something that I think we all need a reminder of. I know I do. He talked about how God has his role, we have our role, and our kids have their role in this discipleship process. And what I want to remind us of, and what I need reminders of each and every day, is that while it's a good thing to try and position my children to be fully functioning followers of Christ, and while I do have a role to play in that process, in that coming to fruition in their lives, ultimately that outcome is not up to me. I have my role. I have my responsibility. 
but ensuring that specific outcome is not one of them. My job isn't to make them follow Jesus. My job is to give them the tools and the guidance to make the decision to follow Jesus. And there is a big difference between those two. And so then the question then comes to my mind, if that's not my responsibility, what? And I think so often our mindset as parents is focused on getting kids to obey and getting them to avoid doing bad things and getting those results now. And those are all good things. I want my kids to obey. I want my kids to make the right decisions. I want them to avoid doing bad things. But that we lose sight because we're so focused on those of what our mindset actually needs to be. And so that brings us to our primary passage for today. And it's a short one, and it's probably one that you're already familiar with. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart. Can we, can we pray together? Holy Father, God, I need you. We all need you so desperately. We need you more than we're probably comfortable admitting at times. So God, I pray right now that as we dig into your word, God, that you would just open our eyes to the truths found here in your, in your word. God, that through the power of your spirit working in our lives, we would, we would be refreshed, we would be renewed, we would be transformed, and that we would be people seeking to honor and glorify you by following after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Like I said, a lot of us are probably familiar with this verse. We've heard it before. If you've ever attended like a marriage workshop or a parenting conference, anything like that, they've probably said this verse. It might have actually been on their t-shirt or on the banner as you walked in to the main session. This is a very familiar verse for a lot of us. And, and the unfortunate thing that a lot of times happens was when we're familiar with a verse like this, we kind of just tend to gloss right over it. And we don't dig down and like, what is this verse actually telling us? And so this morning, I want us to take a closer look at what this verse might actually be informing us as parents and, and, and for any follower of Christ about, about what our mindset has to be when it comes to discipleship and specifically discipling our children. And so today's sermon is entitled this, Family on Mission, the Right Mindset. And the first of these mindsets is actually found in the first two words of this verse where it says, train up. When I hear the word train, I don't think of instant success. I actually think in my mind of a very long process that can produce the, resu the, the results that we're looking for. Emphasis on can produce. And, and when, when I was studying this, I was, I was drawn to, to Jesus' method of discipleship with his disciples. I mean, look at the process that Jesus went through just around the topic of prayer in the lives of his disciples. He didn't just walk up to them and demand obedience and walk up to them and say, hey, you guys need to pray more, and then walk away and then just expect them to do it. And then he didn't get upset with them when he, when, when he comes back and they haven't prayed more. Instead, Jesus sees the need of his disciples and then trains his disciples in this practice. How did he do that? Well, Mark 1.35 and Luke 5.16 and so many other verses that I couldn't even begin to fit them all on the screen up there shows us that Jesus modeled a life of prayer. Before he even taught his disciples or commanded his disciples, he was modeling that life of prayer for his disciples. Then Matthew 7, 7 uh, verses 7 through 11 shows us Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. Then in Luke 11, 2 through 4, we see Jesus showing his disciples how to pray. And then finally, in Luke 18, verse 1, we see Jesus encouraging them to continue praying. 
And all of this happens over the course of his ministry. So three and a half, four, maybe somewhere around there, years. That's a long time. It's so much easier if we just demand obedience, right? It's like, it's like when, when uh, we hire a personal trainer. Unless the personal trainer is just not good at their job, he doesn't show up to the first workout session, tell you to lose some weight, and then walk out the door. I mean, that's what doctors are for, right? Every stinking appointment. Oh, Doc, give me some help here. No, the, the personal trainer comes in uh, and, and, and identifies where you can improve. They model a healthy lifestyle for you. They teach you better eating habits, and they show you different workouts, and then they continue to encourage you along the way. If they just come in and demand obedience, that's not going to do anything. And then even after, after I've paid for the workouts and I've showed up a couple times, even after I haven't, haven't lost any weight or I'm not any healthier because I haven't worked out or eaten healthier, I, I, I don't blame the trainer for that. He did his job. He's not responsible for the outcome. He's responsible for his job, to give me the tools and the guidance that I need. We see that over and over again, that people need to be trained in areas, and yet we expect and demand immediate obedience from our kids. That's not fair. So if that doesn't work for us as adults, why do we think it'll work for our kids? And so that needs to be our first mindset as, as family disciple makers. Our mindset must be about training up our children in the life and practices of Jesus, and not just about commanding obedience. We must take the time to help them identify areas of growth in their lives just like Jesus did. We must come alongside them and train them through modeling, teaching, showing, and encouraging them along the way just like Jesus did. And this is so much harder. This is so much harder than simply telling them what to do. But we are not called to tell our kids what to do. We are called to train up our children. And so then the question then becomes, well, we're supposed to train them up, but but what are we training them for? Train them up in what? And that leads us to our second mindset found in Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 6 continues. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Did you notice that? In the way he should go. And so our second mindset must be to point them toward Jesus and not just away from the world. Paul communicates this well in Colossians 2, verses 20 through 23, where he says this, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish, excuse me, as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence. Paul is saying that these restrictions, these no's, other people are pushing on the, on the Colossian church. They're useless in stopping people from indulging in the flesh. You see, the Colossian church was facing these false teachers who were imposing different purity and dietary laws upon these new believers, saying that it was those laws and those rules and saying no to those things that would help them live for God and help them find freedom. However, Paul is making the argument here that these false teachers, these rules and laws, had no authority over the, the, the Colossian church, but rather only Christ had the authority over his church. And these people didn't need to follow some arbitrary laws to find freedom from sin. They needed to follow Jesus to find that freedom. 
And I find it interesting, church, how easily we get to that point in our lives today. Somehow, so many of us have gotten it in our minds, myself included at times, that yes, we have to trust Jesus for salvation, but that sanctification part, that's up to us. It's like we tell him, thanks, but I've got it from here. You know, I couldn't save me, but not to brag Jesus, but I'm pretty good at transforming myself. And then we communicate that same sentiment to our children. We begin teaching them that they just have to be better. They have to work a little harder. They have to do a little better. And then, if they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, then they'll be following Jesus. We communicate, maybe not in word, but by how we live and how we disciple them, that if they just avoid these things, then they'll be saved. But church, that couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is that on our own, we can't be good. We can't work hard enough. We can't do. We have no hope of being moral enough to follow. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus to begin with. And so one gospel truth that God has really been laying on my heart recently is this, is from salvation to sanctification, we must trust Jesus for it all. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train them in the way that they should go, not in the way that they shouldn't. And so stop only telling your children what they can't do. Stop only communicating what they need to avoid, but start pointing them into a deeper relationship with Jesus that begins then to transform their hearts and their minds and their souls and their bodies more into his likeness. Please, please don't hear me wrong. Do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not advocating that we should never tell our children no. They need to hear that word from us. And they need to hear it a lot more than they probably do already. I think I probably. But when that is our only, when that is our primary discipleship method, we begin to run into some problems. And we actually begin pushing the same false gospel that was being spread through the Colossian church. And so what Katie and I have been trying, and I emphasis again on trying, we are not perfect by any means, but what we've started trying to do with our boys is trying to tell them why we're saying no and why they should avoid those things. And having conversations that not only point them away from the world and their sinfulness, but also tries to point them toward Jesus and following after him. In fact, just the other day, like I said, Isaac, he's three years old, was beating up on Jonathan. And Yes, I know Isaac is the younger one, and I did not mix their names up, I promise. That is just a reality that we live with in our house. Isaac beats up on Jonathan a lot. But I called him over, and I, I was like, Isaac, stop! <laughs> he was kind of just wailing on him. I was like, dude, chill. What are you doing? Stop doing that. I said no. But then I called him over, and instead of continuing to yell at him to stop and demean him, and instead of using phrases like, how many times have I told you? Or why don't you just listen to me? or belittling him in some way. Instead of doing that, I tried my hardest, as best as you can with a three-year-old, to have a conversation. In that moment, I tried to explain that God doesn't want us to treat other people that way because we are all made in the image of God. And we are supposed to love people and treat them the way that we want to be treated and treat them the way Jesus treated us by loving us. And I tried to use it as an opportunity to train him up in the way that he should go and not just demean him for not immediately doing what was right. Yeah, it took longer. It was a lot more difficult. And no, I have no idea if he heard what I said or not. But I am not called to command my children in the way that they shouldn't go. I am called to train them up in the way that they should go. Do I do that perfectly? 
I find myself too often getting frustrated and angry and lashing out, as I think all parents in here can relate with. But I'm trying my hardest. I'm striving to change my mindset so that I can begin hitting those targets that I so often But what's been so cool, guys, is this, and I just, like, I want you to celebrate with me in this because I remember having these exact same conversations with Jonathan when he was Isaac's age, and I always wondered if he was listening or if he heard anything that I said. But what's been so cool is as he's gotten older is that now when we ask questions like, why shouldn't we hit people? Or why shouldn't we make fun of them? Or why should we respect mom and dad? Or why shouldn't we uh, continue pounding our little brother? Why? He's beginning to answer those questions more from a mindset of following Jesus than just simply not doing that action. He's beginning to say that we should love people because Jesus loves us. We shouldn't make fun of people because they are created in the image of God. And honestly, I believe that stems first and foremost from the work of the Holy Spirit in his life as a young believer, but also in the fact that Katie and I have strived to take the opportunities that we have to point them to Jesus and not just away from the world. And so again, back to Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our last mindset in regards to discipling our children, we must have an eternal mindset and not be solely focused on immediate. As a youth pastor church, I've had so many conversations with parents who have, and every conversation that I have just breaks. These parents, they're hurting, distraught. They want to know what they did wrong. They want to know how they can fix it. They want to, to, to make everything right, and I just and I can only imagine what they're feeling, feeling of failure that must weigh on them. I mean, they tried their best to point their kids to Jesus. They tried their best to train up and disciple them. And because they get, didn't get the desired outcome in the, in the time frame that they wanted, they feel like they have failed. And so again, I remind all of us and you, just like I remind those parents, that we're not responsible for that outcome. We're only responsible to give them the tools and to guide them towards that decision. But on top of that, I think our mindset in that arena needs to change as well. Our mindset needs to switch from immediate results to an eternal perspective. We see here in Proverbs 22.6 that this is a lifelong process of discipleship. It covers from the time the child is young to the point where he is old. That's a lot of years. <laughs> There's a lot of time there. There is so much opportunity for change in that area. And I think what it ultimately boils down to is that as parents, we have to trust God with our. So often when I'm talking with parents, I can just almost feel the anxiety in their lives as they try and control and manipulate every aspect of their children's lives, as if, as if what happens in that moment, if that decision, their entire eternity rests on that one moment. As if, as, if, as if they can protect their kids and make decisions for their kids better than God can. And let's be honest for a second. We don't have that kind of control over our own lives. And we definitely don't have that kind of control over our children's lives. We have to fulfill our role, do our job, and then trust our God to work in their lives to draw them back to him, to transform them more into his image, and to use them for his honor and for his glory. And what's so difficult is that process may look entirely different than what we think it should. And it may take a lot longer. Honestly, as I've become a father, I've begun to really relate 
with the father in the story of the prodigal son we see in Luke. Verse 11 starts by saying, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave. So often we focus on the sons in this story, but recently, whenever I've read that, I've, I've, I've begun to focus on the father. Imagine the weight that he must have felt, the weight of failure that might have consumed him. The weight of not knowing where his son was. The weight of not knowing if his son was even alive. The weight of not knowing if his son was ever going to come back to him. The weight of feeling like he had failed in training up his child in the way that he should go. The weight, ultimately, of things not going according to him. And I feel for that father because that father in this story is living out the greatest fear that I have. As I struggle with the idea that this, that this story could very easily be a reality for it is so easy to get caught in the ways of this world. It is so easy to get carried away and sucked in by sin. It is so easy to follow this world. And I so desperately don't want that from my boys. And then when I feel that anxiety rising, all I want to do is just take control of the situation, wanting to manipulate the situation, to make sure that that never becomes a reality. In church, I hate the fact that I have no control over that. I hate the fact that I can't make sure it all turns out okay for my children. I hate it. But the reality of the situation is this. Our job as parents isn't to control every little aspect of our children's lives. Our job is to trust God in this lifelong process of discipleship. So we have to shift our mindset away from immediate results and trust the work that God is doing. We have to trust that God has a plan that is so much bigger than our own. And trust me, I know how hard this is. I look at my boys and I want what's best for them. I want them to trust Jesus. I want them to follow Jesus. I want them to make good decisions. And I hate it when they have to go through adversity. I hate it when they face difficulties. I hate it when they misbehave. And so I have to daily cast my cares, my worries, my anxiety onto Jesus and ask him to help transform my mindset from the immediate results that I want to trusting him in this lifelong process and honestly, what I've seen that happens a few times that I am actually faithful to cast that, those cares on Jesus, what I've seen that do in my life is it drives me to my knees and begging and pleading for God to transform my kids' hearts. Honestly, I didn't know what intercessory prayer was until I had kids because I intercede on their behalf day in and day out because I can't control it asking in that time of prayer that God does his part in giving them a new life. And it honestly, it emboldens me and focuses me on what my role actually is to point them back to him. Church, being a parent is so hard. It is so hard. It is one of the hardest things that I've ever tried to do. And I've ran a 10K before. So you know, this is hard. Humble brag. And so why, parents, do we add weight to what we're carrying why do we add responsibilities that don't belong to us? Why do we try and accomplish in the lives of our children what only God can accomplish? My encouragement to us this morning is we need to change our mind. Focus more on what we're supposed to do and stop worrying about the things that are outside of our control 
And that's easy to say from the stage because my boys aren't even in this room. I don't, I don't have to trust them in this moment because they're, I'm trusting them with Tracy. It's so easy to say here, but that's going to be so difficult come this afternoon. We aren't responsible for the results, but we are responsible for, for providing an atmosphere and the family structure for those results to happen. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old. I want to challenge us this morning as we seek to be families on mission, that we seek to change our mindsets in regards to discipling our children, that our mindsets would be about training up and not just commanding obedience, that we would be pointing them to Jesus and not just away from the world, and that we would move from an immediate result-driven mindset to an eternal. Need help doing that? Me too. (laughs) Honestly, I, I need help with that. But my contact information is up on the screen. I would love to pray with you. I would love to continue to pray for you. I would love to help or to try and answer any questions because that's what we're here as a church to do. We are here to help you take your next step in obedience with Christ. And if that means discipling your kids better, that's what we're here for. Come talk to me. Come talk to Tracy. Come talk to Pastor Brett or Pastor Mike. We would love to help you in any way that we can. And we want to partner with you as you do the work that God has called. Holy Father, God, I thank you for today. Thank you for your many blessings in our lives. God, I thank you for the children that we have here God, and I just pray that we would be faithful. I pray that each and one of us, whether we're parents of these kids or not, we would be faithful in discipling these kids towards, whether that's praying for our families, coming alongside the parents and and discipling them so they can better disciple their kids, whether that's discipling our kids and, and finding resources and help and guidance and discipleship for ourselves along the way. God, I just pray and thank you for your many blessings and the many ways that you work in our lives, and I pray that you continue to lead us and guide us in that. Amen. Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ.